And welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here to cover everything Badgers. We're into the offseason for football, and we're in full swing for NCAA basketball season. And the Badgers lost a tough one last evening. You're probably listening to this on Friday, uh, so that was Wednesday night. A tough one to Illinois, uh, a big one for both teams, really, in a lot of ways. Both teams, obviously, the Badgers uh, right now in terms of bracketology, sitting on the eight-seed line, and Illinois was in the last four out, I believe. So both teams in a, in a deep conference looking to make their way into the NCAA tournament. So a tough one, which we'll get into. But first, as always, as I like to ask, Matt, how are we doing tonight? Doing good. A little little tired by how late that game went last night just because of the uh, sheer amount, volume of fouls that were seemingly called every 10 seconds. But um, doing well. How are you doing? Good, good. Yeah, it was a late one. It seemed like a long game. And, you know, we were originally talking about doing the podcast after the game. And by the time it looked like the game got done and then I saw your post uh, post game coverage, I was like, yeah, that'd be a, a late, late night for both of us. So Probably a good thing that we decided to kick it back a day and uh, and not kill ourselves staying up so late. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. <laughs> it works. Now that we don't have to get uh, our game previews in for Saturday afternoons, it's a little bit more flexibility. But the game itself, obviously, it, it, it came down to a lot of things. Over this last four games, the Badgers really, what we talked about earlier in the week on this little winning streak was, was the defensive effort that – They've, they had been playing really solid, sound team defense, making teams take tough shots. And last night, it, it just didn't seem to show that at all. And it's kind of the seems like the storyline of this team is back and forth and ebbs and flows. And they certainly had it. It seemed like on the defensive side all night. Is that kind of what you took? Yeah, I think that's definitely where the crux of their issues were. Um, I know a lot of people are, are going to focus in on the offense just simply because um, Wisconsin didn't make their shots down the stretch. But the bigger thing was just the defensive effort just wasn't there compared to what we've seen these past four games. Wisconsin had been averaging only 60 points a game. They had held uh, every team up until, or I mean, uh, the last time they gave up 70 points was against Rutgers and lo and behold, another team that they lost to. So I think the defensive effort, Greg Gard spoke about it in the, in the post game, just how uh, upset he was with, with kind of just the lack of focus and um, aggressiveness on the defensive end. And it really hurt them, uh, especially with the amount of athletes that Illinois has at their disposal. You saw kind of how that would unravel when you aren't going to be on, on the ball pressure, not as uh, helpful in help, help defense. It, it really does make a huge difference. Yeah. It seemed like just from watching it from an outside perspective that it, it seemed like every other shot for Illinois was, was a drive in and a layup or a pass into the the post and and just back down and and put up for it seemed like almost every shot was within two three feet and I know obviously that's not the case but I would have loved to I was looking for a shot chart today just to see how you know how easy it seemed like Wisconsin kind of made it obviously Illinois made some tough shots and, and made plays to stay in the game and and hang in there despite trailing for for most of the game. But it seemed like Wisconsin made it 
made it a lot easier on Illinois than than they needed to. And it seemed like while Illinois probably made some tough shots, that the Badgers kind of shot themselves in the in the foot on a lot of opportunities defensively. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, it seemed like as the game went on that it, you kind of got an uneasiness to it, to it. Mm-hmm. just simply it kind of mirrored in a lot of ways uh, a reversal of the Ohio State game. Wisconsin in that game was just able to hang around. And then in the end, the final stretch, they were kind of able to kind of kick it into high gear and and make the plays. It was the exact opposite this time. Wisconsin allowed Illinois. They weren't able to kind of kick the door open and, and make sure that they could make a huge run they had the lead of, of seven uh in you know after about four and a half minutes in the uh second half and and then from there things just kind of didn't work for them nearly as much as what it should have been i mean if you look at it the largest lead that illinois had was four and that was at 40 seconds 45 seconds left in the game so i think it was really telling just if those last few possessions were tough, but Wisconsin didn't do enough in the in the meat of the second half to really put them away. Illinois ended up shooting 61% in the second half, 71% from three-point land. Uh, and while Wisconsin was shooting 37%, that's, that's not going to get it done uh, in the Big Ten play when you're going up against high-caliber athletes like Illinois has. No, yeah, and they've got they've got some high caliber athletes. I mean, Ao and uh, Kofi Cockburn just seem to be a duo that really that really hurt the Badgers. I think they both ended up with probably what, 15, 18 and fifteen, yeah. eighteen and fifteen, yeah. So you know, they both seem to they they play really well off of one another. Obviously, had to have a, a solid guard and and solid interior play there. They're a tough team, and they've got some talented you know guys. So that obviously is a huge win for them. Uh, in terms of the NCAA tournament standings and the Big Ten standings, so it was it was an important game that, you know, I know it's it's Illinois and it's still early in the season, but when you're nine and six and you're battling for a spot already, all these games are are really really important. So that one's going to be a tough one to swallow, you know, ending up in the loss column. Yeah, and and in the at the end of the game, Wisconsin kind of looked out of sorts once. Illinois kind of hit that shot. Uh, they Badgers kind of just looked stunned and and kind of flabbergasted, trying to figure out what to do. Um, you saw a couple rush shots, and then Kobe King finally hit that big step back three pointer, which was which was monumental, cut the game down to one. But then you saw on the final possession was when Wisconsin had the chance. Um, you know, Dimitri Trice didn't pull up for a jumper. Instead, he tried to go to trake the ball to the hoop, which is just not his game. That's not uh, the type of player he is um, or has shown to be throughout his career. He's more of a pull-up jumper guy, um, get create space and elevate over the opposing defender. He instead tried to get to the hoop, draw the foul. It's hard to get those foul calls when it's the end of a, of a game, uh, unless you're the Wisconsin football team and getting offensive pass interference. So uh, it, it's, it's just one of those things where you can't rely on the refs to give you a call by trying to take the ball to the hoop. Instead, he should have tra- probably popped up and, and tried to hit that mid-range jumper like we've seen so many uh, Badger point guards do time time after time in this league. Yeah, exactly. That that last um, – I was happy with that last possession in terms of um, in terms of them not settling for a, a contested three because that's, that's a lot of times where this Wisconsin team can get into a rhythm and, and not uh, – you know, not look for going to the basket. So I was happy with that, but it just seemed like a really 
and not so much a four shot, but not not as quality a shot uh, that they probably could have got, and, and probably not the best look they got, and and really not in the hot hand like you had with Kobe King all game. You kind of expected him to take that final shot, and Trice has been playing well lately, but it, I was a little, it was kind of a head scratcher one still, and that that seems to be kind of a trend at the end of games if, when you come out on the wrong end that that you're on the wrong side. Yeah, and I mean Kobe King had had. Uh, such a great game, 21 points. He shot really, really well from the field. He was probably the only Badger who really did well from the field other than Brevin Pritzel. Um, but, but at the same time, I, I thought at times he, he kind of um, laid at, at that middle part when the when the Badgers started to really struggle um, to, to score. It was partly because Kobe King kind of didn't assert his dominance like he had been doing. Um, I think there was some really, really poor shot selection in there. There was there the one play where Micah Potter just just bailed out the defender and and hit a three and shot a three pointer against Coburn who had four fouls and then it just led out to an Alan Griffin three pointer. I mean that was that was the moment I turned to um, Zach Halprin next to me and it was we both looked at each other like yeah that's like that's the type of uh, decision that kind of loses you a game and, and sure enough that was one of those moments that just was a complete swing in momentum and really brought the um, crowd down after the crowd was starting to get back into it in that game. Yeah, that one, that's, that's was kind of the trend. You know, I, it just seemed like a game that they let, you know, they let Illinois get those moments and, and come back into it. And unfortunately when you, when you let a team that's talented and hang around like that and, Obviously, you you knew that they were going to come into this game not only because it was an important game in terms of you know NCAA tournament, but they hadn't beat the Badgers in in what seemed like forever. I don't do you know how many straight it was? I can't remember off the top. It, of it was it was it was upper teens, I believe. Yeah, and but it, and Wisconsin just wasn't able to to close that game out, which is not great, especially when you look at the number of free throws they they shot and how well they shot from there. They weren't able to do anything uh, on the other end of the court to stop Illinois when they need, when they needed to, and that rubbed over on the offense where Wisconsin shot poorly, uh, especially in the later stages of the game. They shot a lot less three-pointers in this game, which was interesting to see. Usually they're in – I think they're averaging about 26 a game. They shot 15, uh, probably rightfully so because they weren't shooting it great, but – it, it was interesting to see that switch in the strategy. Uh, ultimately, it didn't help them out because Ao Desumu is very, very talented. You know, he put up 18, five rebounds, six assists, and, and and played damn near the whole game. I think he played like 38, 37 minutes or something like that. So he he was he was by far the best player on the court in my eyes, even while Kobe King was playing so well. Yeah, and that that brings me to my next point that I was gonna kind of bring up was obviously the the not so much emergence because we've seen flashes of Kobe King, but but he was he was kind of you know that term in basketball a walking bucket where if you needed two points, get it in Kobe King's hand. He seemed like he was gonna find it, and he obviously 21 points played, but it just played really sound uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and and was really kind of the star that we finally we kind of expected to see that offensive jump from him from last year to this year, you finally kind of saw the emergence of that. What were you impressed with, with Kobe King's game last night? I, I like that he went to work uh, in the paint, you know, in the post. I thought they fed him in there nicely. At, at six foot four, he oftentimes gets some shorter guards on him because he plays kind of that, that two, three role, depending upon um, the rest of the court with him. But 
he he can take advantage of a guy who's who's a taller guy who's who he can maybe blow by, but he can also take advantage of a guy who's maybe a few inches shorter than him. So I thought he did a really nice job of being aggressive, taking the ball to the rim, and and not settling for just jacking up three pointers. He made one of his two three point attempts, and he his mid range jump shot was on fire. He's usually pretty pretty strong in in that area. Um, but what did you think of Micah Potter? I thought this was his best game that he had played as well. Yeah, that was the other one that I was going to touch on is that his you finally kind of saw the emergence of him on both the scoring. I think he finished with 13 points, but he he pulled down a lot of rebounds and was really helpful, you know, in the interior, which is something that the, the Badgers had been kind of looking for. Obviously, Nate Reavers is your big, but uh, Micah Potter seems to play a little bit bigger in, in terms of grabbing the rebounds and, you know, to, to pull down some some big rebounds was was good to see because really you haven't seen um, a strong game for him yet. Obviously the f- the first couple games he was he was definitely knocking off some rust uh, and he finally showed that not that there was ever a doubt that he was a strong quality player by any means, but he finally kind of showed that 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 what he brings to the table on both sides of the court is is going to be helpful for this team down the stretch. What did you think yeah. of it? Yeah, I thought he was great, you know, especially with Reavers dealing with some foul trouble for him to kind of step in, take advantage of some things inside. You know, Coburn is extremely strong. He's a big athletic freshman, but he's still young. And so I thought uh, they did a nice job going at him. I I thought they needed to go at him and Bishenisvili a little bit more. They had those four fouls. I I thought uh, Brad Underwood did a really nice job of making sure to to keep those guys um, at a point where they could get there to the end. But like I said, the shot selection by Wisconsin did not go at those two when you've got them with four fouls was crucial um, because they are such um, big, crucial parts of their team. And when you've got them on the ropes with four fouls, settling for fadeaway jump shots, um, trying to go over them instead of trying to go through them is, is not the way to go. And I know that that's not necessarily Nate Reaver's uh, style of play or a lean forward style of play inside, but man, oh man, if you've got those guys in a in a position where you can get them out of the game and you know that that's one of their best players, you've got to go at them and be aggressive. Um, and, and we just didn't see that down the stretch. Uh, and, you know, Illinois was the better team in this one um, from top to bottom just because of the way Wisconsin wasn't able to close it out. Good teams yeah. are able to close out games. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the one that, that really hurts a one-point loss when you look back on the season where you probably need you know, one or two – Two wins, if you're on a bubble, that that win can make a difference, especially when you're entering a, a tough stretch like the Badgers are going to be entering this week. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back after you know going on a nice run. We kind of talked about it. obviously this team had had been playing really well, and you you hoped that they didn't fall back and and take a loss that they probably should have won, and unfortunately that's what happens. But it just makes every game in this league that much more important down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not going to get any easier. Penn State's looking really talented. Uh, You know, Lamar Stevens is a really good player in the Big Ten. So I'm interested to see kind of how uh, they come out and play at Penn State on Saturday. Yeah, that'll be a big one. Big one. I mean, all of them will be big as they get going here. I just had to say, Colburn, I did not. He looked massive on the court. I did not realize he was. He's he's got listed here as seven foot two ninety. I mean, that is yeah, no. (laughs) A massive dude. Did he look that big? Uh, in oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No, I, I went down um, and down courtside to kind of just get a look. I usually do that just in the beginning of the game because, you know, when you're up when you're up high, it's harder to see sometimes. You know, when you're in the media area, it's harder to see kind of really how guys compare. Oftentimes you can see a little bit better uh, on, on TV sometimes. But, man, you get down there uh, court level and the dude's a specimen. He, he's, he's big and uh, he wasn't moving much when you saw guys trying to back down on him. Uh, and, and when he would try to back down on Reavers, you could see Reavers just try to puff out his chest and, and, and try to take it. But man, oh man, he, he, he's big. No, he's no joke. Um, but, and that's crazy cause he's just a freshman. Yeah, that is, that is big size for, uh, for a 20 year old. I know, uh, just a, a pure specimen of a human just dominating and, and it's the Badgers struggled with his size and just his ability to muscle his way down to the block and and put up layups I remember a few possessions where as soon as he caught it at the block Nate Reavers was was you you just saw it he's like oh this is this is done unless he misses the shot uh Reavers is is pinned deep and you're not going to stop a guy that that is that big and that athletic moving and, and trying to score so he was he was impressive and I I don't know what his NBA draft profile is but if he stays in this league he's going to really uh, cause some headaches for teams, you know, this season and beyond. So, yeah, I was I was uh, surprised that they didn't bring Micah Potter in and pair him with Reavers to kind of counteract some of the size that Illinois had up front. Um, just especially with the way Potter played, he only played 15 minutes in this game, and, and to have 13 points in those minutes, I thought he probably should have played a little bit more. Um, we've seen Aleem Ford's role kind of uh, slide a little bit less just because of the emergence of Potter and Wall. Um, but I, I thought I thought Potter probably should court even more, uh, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how he, he seems like he started to get more minutes each game. But it's it's going to be one that probably as they, they start to feel out and he starts to finally emerge, will hopefully get the minutes that he's that he's looking like he needs to so how Greg guards manage that rotation is going to be interesting to watch anything else you want to touch on basketball wise or else we'll get into uh some football news just they got to be better on defense that's what that was their bread and butter for those four games that they won and and to give up 71 to Illinois after holding some really really good teams to to under 60 points to then kind of relapse and go back into the 70s was tough to see and it was it was not indicative of what Wisconsin has been this season. Yeah, this this Wisconsin team when they're going to win games it's going to be because of, you know, defensive effort. Obviously, the the shooting concerns have kind of been there all season long and they've dealt with it and even in the games they've won they haven't really shot lights out and and they've won it on the defensive end. So if this team wants to wants to get into the NCAA tournament and win, you know, more games and start rattling off wins like they did these last four, I agree with you. It's going to have to clean up on that defensive end, which is which is not something you expected to say coming into this game because they had been playing such strong defense these last four games. For sure. You want to get into some of the football news? Yeah, we'll dive into the Tyler Briadish declaring for the NFL draft and the Aaron Cruikshank news. But first, we're going to work in a couple quick ad reads. All right, Badger fans, it's time to talk some football. Obviously, football season has come and gone, but we've still had plenty to talk about here on the podcast. And that's simply because there's been departures. Obviously, the Jonathan Taylor and Quintess Cephas ones were were, were not surprising. And, and this one, the first one in Tyler Biotish, 
uh, declaring for the NFL draft. I, I fully expected and wasn't surprised by it at all. He's, he's one of the top-rated interior linemen in the NFL draft, but still something newsworthy and, and to talk about. And unfortunately, Wisconsin, he's obviously you, – you want your guys to go pro, but he's been an anchor for an offensive line that, is, that has really dominated these last three years, and he's probably been the leader at that center position. So what did you make of his declaration? I don't think you were probably surprised at all, but what did you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I'm just happy for him. He, he's a really nice guy, really well-spoken whenever he was being interviewed. Um, he, he was always complimentary of his teammates and of Jack Cohn, um, you know, who he was usually snapping the ball to. He He's going to be a guy who's got to leave now to go get his money. You don't want to continue to play in the Big Ten when you have the opportunity to go fulfill your dream of making money in the NFL. Uh, really smart. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to probably be – uh, a long-term starter in the NFL just because of the pedigree he brings, the uh, toughness that he brings to the position, and the work ethic he has. I think uh, I saw last time I looked on a couple different mocks, uh, he's, he's looking somewhere in the first three rounds, which anytime you're going the first three rounds, go make your hay now because you, you, don't, you don't know what next year has. He had the opportunity to do it last year and got that comeback to school grade, which Frankly, I was kind of flabbergasted from, but I, th- I think he's making the right decision. And I, I think anytime a Wisconsin offensive lineman has a chance to go in the NFL, uh, they, they might as well do it because they're going to get drafted fairly highly just because of uh, the running back uh, tr- running tradition that Wisconsin has uh, along the front line. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think he's going to be a guy that really – really goes and gets his money and you can't fault him because he's he's opened holes for for Jonathan Taylor and he's who's essentially been an integral part of three dominating seasons if he were to come back I don't think you can get a a much higher ceiling than than doing what he's done the last three years winning a Remington award for the top center it's just been a a really solid season for him and I, I think you have to for him to be a a quality player in the NFL, you, you got to go take your chance and, and make the most of it. And he, he's done plenty for this Wisconsin program. He's been a really solid leader, both from what I understand, both on and off the field. Yeah. And I mean, he came in as a defensive line recruit and to kind of just make his way, make that transition over to, to center and to flourish the way he has as unanimous first team All-American, you know, the last uh, or this year as a national All-American, but also First team all Big Ten the last two seasons. I mean that that that's high high up there, high praise uh, by the coaches and the media for the talents that he has. And I think he's going to be a tremendous center. I I, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be similar to Travis Frederick, where he he's he's going to be able to do um, a lot for for teams at that center position and and really work things through. At, at I mean he's fairly undersized at 6'3 for any of the other positions so we think I think he's pretty locked in at center but man oh man he when he's on he's one of the best road graders in the in the Big Ten and and in the nation yeah that's what I was going to ask you about you kind of touched on it already but I I saw somewhere online that they were that that he could he could play a guard position and I you know obviously I've never played offensive line I, I know a decent amount just watching Wisconsin football but I don't know ins and outs like some guys do but it just didn't seem like he would be a fit definitely not for a tackle position but it seemed like center was would be the only place that he really fits in in my opinion so I was kind of surprised to see that is that kind of your take too yeah yeah I mean at six foot three I would think he'd be 
pretty pretty pigeonholed at at center. But I mean, there's there's six three guards out there. They're just you know you got to work. You got to really work. Yeah. He's got a really strong lower base, so I think that'll help him. Um, I'm interested to see kind of how he tests when he does that. Um, but I think he's got plenty of film out there to to show what he can do and and the strength he has. I think he's going to be a a great player um, in in the league. Who do you think could be a, a logical guy to fill in for him next season? That was what I was kind of thinking about. I, I wasn't really sure because you've got – I know Joe Rudolph tends to – he likes to work and move guys around to have the best five on the field. So I'm interested to see kind of who works in there because it was a position that I, I didn't even really think about in terms of departure. And then you think about it, you're like, oh, yeah, you're gonna, that's going to be a big hole to fill next year just given that he's anchored that center position down for, for three seasons. I don't think, I think he started every game that he was up, that he was, you know, his freshman year. I don't think he missed any time for injuries or anything. So he's been a really solid player for three years. What, what do you think? Yeah. To your point, I mean, he, every game that he has been healthy to play, he has started since his his redshirt season, 41 straight games. So he's consistently out there. I would guess that it's probably going to be Caden Lyles. I think, you know, he's still trying to get back from that whole experiment at defensive line so that they, that he uh, miraculously just kind of moved over there to help the team. But I, I think he's going to be the guy. He, he wasn't able to play late in the season because of that injury, but he, he's a, he's a very talented guy also kind of undersized at like six, three, six, four. Um, and I know that they had really worked him. He was there. Uh, during the spring, um, but then it, during when it came to fall camp, they really just focused a minute guard so that there wasn't as much for him to think about. And I thought he struggled at the beginning of the season, but did a nice job towards the latter part of it to to really show that hey, he's probably he's going to be one of the top five guys in my eyes. So whether he's playing guard or center, uh, Joe Tipman was another guy who got some reps in fall camp that we saw with the second unit. Um, I think he's destined to be a guard ultimately, but you never know. Uh, any, anytime they're trying to get their top five guys out there, it, it's going to come down to which guy is going to give them the best chance to win in the trenches. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got you've to work in your best five. And obviously the center position's a little different too because you've got, you've got the issue of snapping the ball and, and making calls. I mean, essentially the, he's kind of the captain of that offensive line and the anchor that, that moves the pieces. So it's it's a really important position, and I, I'd be interested to see how Wisconsin manages replacing really a dominating player for three years. I mean, I was thinking about it this morning. Uh, you know, we I did that all-decade top ten of, of players, and I didn't even consider Tyler Biotish on it. But really, when you think about it, his his what he's done for the program and, and for opening holes for Jonathan Taylor for three years, he's probably one that I should have had considered on that list. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I didn't put him on there just because of what Travis Frederick did. I think Travis Frederick's probably the smartest human being I've ever met. And to be perfectly honest, I remember him answering questions in college like, oh, boy, this guy knows his stuff. Um, But I I think he's definitely in that conversation as one of the top five if you're going to go positionless across the offensive line because of the consistency that he brought to the position, how he went out there and just dominated at all times. He had a couple bad snaps later on in the season this year, but other than that, man, he he was he was lights out, and I think it was telling that um, based off his coaches and um, the other players that he was voted the offensive MVP with Jack Cohn because of what he brought to the table um, 
day in and day out um, as not only a leader, but also on the gridiron. Yeah, he's going to be a tremendous talent, I think, for, for whoever lands him. I know his draft stock was, coming into the season, he was, I think it seemed like a, a surefire first rounder. Now it seems like there's some, not so much that Biotis has fallen off, but there's been some other interior linemen that have really, really shown shown some promise. And also there, there seems to be more of a need at some other positions at the tackles and guards, obviously the left tackle position in, in pro football is going to be your big breadwinners in, in terms of payment and importance. So seeing where he ends up is, is going to be interesting, but I think whoever gets him is getting a really tremendous talent. And obviously I know as Badger fans, we all wish him the best because he seems like, seems like quite the guy. I got to talk to him a little bit down in Chicago at the big 10 media days and he was all class, you know, just a, a, a nice small town kid that, that was, you know, had a big dream of playing college football and now has this dream of, of playing in the NFL. So, um, jumping on, did the Crickshank thing kind of catch you off guard? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously that one was for me. I, not one that I saw coming. I was a little surprised by it in general, uh, that, that he decided to transfer. Obviously I'm always of the, of the thinking that if a kid isn't like we talked about earlier or in the other podcast that. I'm always of the of the essence that if a kid doesn't feel comfortable or he wants to pursue something else or feels like it's a better fit, uh, absolutely go ahead and and make that jump. But yeah, that one kind of caught me by surprise. It's not one that I don't think anybody expected to see coming, given his production this season. What did you kind of take from that? Would I, I would assume it surprised you as well? Yeah, I was kind of baffled by it. I, I know he later went ahead and, and tweeted out that there's a lot going on. So I'm guessing there's more to the story. Um, likely he'll probably go closer to home or something like that. That's usually kind of how something like this would unfold. I would, I would assume, but um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, the way he kind of burst on this year in that kickoff return role would, it would have given him some life. You also saw AJ Taylor's leaving. You saw Quintus Cephas leaving. I know he struggled at times to kind of get some of the subtler nuances of the receiver position down. Um, but overall, he, I mean, he had the depth chart opening up for him and uh, for him to kind of skip town now is, is kind of a, a interesting move to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I know the, the depth chart seems to be, seems to be opening. And, and I think there's would have been a spot for him, but I think you already kind of hinted at it that I think there's probably more going on than, than what lets on, and, and obviously you want a kid to be comfortable. So as much as it sucks from a talent standpoint that that you're not going to have a guy like him, you gotta you gotta just kind of wish him the best and, and hope that he finds a a place and a role that that he fits that he fits in. And and obviously it, it he's he's a tremendous talent. I mean I don't think there's any doubt in that. It's just a matter of of a kid feeling comfortable where he's at, and it just it seems like. Uh, He's looking for for a different role and a, a different spot, and all you can really do is wish him the best. But it's it's definitely surprising, just given the on paper circumstances of this Wisconsin offense and this Wisconsin receiving core. Yeah, I mean, I, I just look at it and I like you brought up like looking for a different role, and I don't know what role he's genuinely looking for. You know, at five nine one sixty, he's not built necessarily to be a scat back um, as a running back or to to really even be a slot receiver because he's so slight. At this point in his career, I think if 
he added 20 pounds and got up to 180, then you might be talking uh, about being able to be a slot receiver uh, in the league. You know, he's dynamic when the ball's in his hands, but the way to do that is in kickoffs, punts, returns, going ahead and, and gadget plays like Wisconsin did with the Wildcat. I don't see him being a guy that's on the field for, you know, the majority of your snaps, so no matter where he's at. And I, I, I don't know what he's looking for or obviously the circumstances, but um, it, it still is just it's one of those moves that it just kind of makes you scratch your head because he is very talented with the ball in his hands, but he does is limited because of his size uh, in, in college football and, and definitely for the NFL. I don't, I don't necessarily think he has the measurables to, to make a dent in the league at, um, at only 160 pounds. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that's where I know a lot of people are, were, were on Twitter last night and, and wondering where this receiving core kind of goes. Obviously you've got Danny Davis back and you hope that he'll make a jump because obviously he, he coming into the season, he was expected to be the main target in, in a receiving core. And you didn't really know what Quintess Cephas was going to bring. And obviously that changed very quickly. Uh, but then you, you lose AJ Taylor. So you're but you're going to have Kendrick Pryor back, but who are you maybe most interested to see that might emerge behind those two guys now that it seems like there's a couple names that we uh, we know of, but nobody that's really been on you know on the field proven yet. Who are you interested to maybe see kind of emerge at, in that in that spot? I would I would imagine a guy like Taj Mustafa could could kind of come in and, and make some plays. AJ Abbott's more of a, a bigger possession receiver, um, just because he he's you know he's like six foot two. Um, Mustafa's like six foot six one, kind of similar to um, some of the other guys that are on the field with him. Um, but I think I think Mustafa's the guy who's got probably the most to gain now because um, Cephas is gone, as well as the the loss of AJ Taylor and now um, Crickshank. I. I I don't know how that's going to change for Jack Dunn and Adam Krumholtz. I think they're primarily blocking threats just because of um, what they bring to the table. Um, but I could see Dunn kind of getting some more snaps. I also think it opens up an opportunity for, um, you know, some of the younger guys who are just coming in to, to have a chance. You know, I think, I think anytime you're bringing in an early enrollee uh, freshman, it, it's, it's, it gives you a chance. Um, so I think Wisconsin is, is going to be in good hands, but at the same time, it's definitely, um, uh, it, it's, it's interesting to see where they'll go because there, there isn't a lot, as much as there is talent there, they don't have like the big, Nick, uh, the big guy that it's like, that's the guy who's going to take over. I do think Jim Ray DK has got a shot because he's enrolled in the early, but I, I'm still, just grasping at straws is who's going to be the the big guy to kind of take over for Cephas in my eyes. Yeah, that's going to be one that's going to be interesting to watch how it kind of shakes out with with that position. Similar to the running back position, there's a lot of names and there's a lot of talent and there's a lot of guys that you you think will be the next one in line, but you still have to see it from them in in spring practice and again in fall practice and then of course getting into games because. Some of the names that are going to be worked in there at both of those positions are are names that haven't seen they've seen limited action and in, in mop up duties or or in special teams, but they haven't seen you know drive in and drive out being on the field and and making the correct play. So if there was ever a year where you were you you were counting on you know buying into your coaching staff and your in your development of players, this is going to be a year that that really makes or breaks that and and tests that theory of college football. But at the same time, people were getting you know getting upset that that 
Cruikshank is leaving and they, they don't have anybody, that's where you have to trust your your position coaches that that they've recruited and, and landed talent that can step in and fill those roles. So it'll be interesting to watch as the as we get into spring practice who kind of makes that makes that jump and, and gets on the field consistently. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's really all we've got uh, on the list for right now. Obviously, we've we've had plenty to talk about with football. Anything else you want to touch on? Um, I, I I think it's um we have to bring it up that also today the announcement that the Badger football home opener next year has been flexed from that Saturday, uh, the fifth to the fourth, so that it's going to be a night game on that Friday. Uh, you know, at, you're a season ticket holder, and you obviously uh, work during the day. So do you, how does that affect um, fans in your eyes kind of come into on a Friday night instead of on Saturday? Yeah. yeah I remember the one that was, was it Hawaii a couple of years ago that they opened on Friday night? I'm trying to think. Um, I think it was, maybe not. I know there was one time we opened on Friday night and I, it didn't bother me too much because we were kind of prepared for it, but it's gotta be a headache for, for people trying to get, into Madison on Friday evening, and and I know parking was an issue last time and stuff like that. But thankfully for me, we can you know my job's fairly flexible. I can plan around it, but it, it's got to make it hard on 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 certain people in certain situations. So I I, I sensed a lot of frustration on Badger, Badger's Twitter about it. Uh, you know when the announcement was made. How do you feel about those Friday night games? You know, I don't. It doesn't bother me that much. I think it either either way they're going to be fine. It was against Western Kentucky yeah. uh, last time it was two years ago. But you know, I I think it's it's cool to have a night game. You know, we look at it and oftentimes Wisconsin isn't able to get as many night games as fans would like. It's harder to tailgate. You only get a couple hours there instead of your normal you know all day Saturday type thing fiasco. So it's a little harder in terms of commuting and and getting everything ready right away. But uh, the the atmosphere itself is usually fun and it, and it's exciting. It's a little later this year because it'll be on the fourth compared to usually we're in the the later stages of August. So I think I'm fine with it. I know that some people will gripe about it because of high school football and it it does hurt the team in terms of that's one less day that you can really have a lot of kids visiting because they have their games usually during that time. But um, it, it's also an opportunity for the university to be on national tv and you're one of the only games so it's it, it's a double-edged sword in my eyes the other thing that'll make it interesting i think is that this time it isn't a cupcake in western kentucky this is going to be indiana a big 10 conference game to open at night i mean you don't you know you think about what you had this year you didn't have any you know true night game so to have a a game like that a big 10 game nighttime in camp randall i know it's on a friday but it's hard to beat that situation. So I think people will still enjoy it. Anytime you can have, you know, nighttime at the camp is, is pretty fun. So. Yeah, no, I mean, and you only get it so many of those experiences because later on in the year, when it gets to November, the big Ten's pretty reluctant to have those night games because it gets cold. So when you can do it early in the year, by all means do it because it is a cool atmosphere when it is night. Absolutely. You can't, you can't beat camp Randall at night, especially when the crowd and, I know they won't have as, as many hours to get uh, those drinks in them, but uh, they'll make it work for sure. <laughs> no but, doubt. Alrighty, guys. Well, that wraps up our next uh, off-season uh, podcast. Next week, we're going to start getting into. Obviously, we'll continue to cover basketball and do previews and recaps as as the games go on. But 
it's not a pencil schedule like you have with football Saturday night. So we'll do the recaps usually on the, the next upcoming one, depending on the, the Badgers basketball schedule. And then next week we'll kind of get into some football stuff as well on the not so much a position review or preview for next season. We'll do more of a recap, what we liked about the position from this year, how we think it can improve next year. So we're still going to talk plenty of football for you guys, despite uh, the season come and gone. So thank you guys for always listening. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Wisconsin. Thank you.